Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. What's up, Victory Church? Are we excited to be in the house today? Edmond Campus, I know you're excited. I know there are those watching online, and we're excited that you're with us. We're excited that you're joining us. Uh, I, before I preach, I want to uh, introduce a couple of people. We have some really great special guests with us today uh, here all the way from Lesotho, Africa, 10,000 miles away. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we have a church uh, in Lesotho, Masera, Lesotho, Africa, that was really birthed out of a dream, literally, that Pastor Jennifer had uh, many years ago. Uh, and, and out of this church, we birthed something called the Beautiful Dream Society, which is, a, is an amazing organization. If you don't know anything about it, you need to, you need to look it up and get involved with it. Uh, it's an it's a organization that rescues women out of the, 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 the uh, human trafficking industry uh, in Lesotho, Africa. And out of that organization, a church was birthed. Uh, what year was that, Pastor Jennifer? I don't even remember what. 2012, all, all the way back to 2012. I've been there several times. Well, today, we have the director of Beautiful Dream Society all the way from Lesotho, Africa, Moshe Bang. She's here. We stand up. We're so excited that you're here. And then we also have uh, the pastor of the church there, Victory Maseru, Victory Church in Maseru, Lesotho, Pastor Seppo. Pastor Seppo, stand up, Pastor Seppo. We're honored that you're here. Which, by the way, like, I'm just gonna say it. In America, we have the most boring names. Like, we have, my name's John. Bob. Sorry if your name's Bob. Like Seppo, how cool is that name? Moshebang, like that is the coolest name ever. Like we have such boring names, but we're so honored that they're here and they're doing amazing ministry and uh, they're a part of us. And we, we, when I say we, you, you sow seeds into these ministries and lives are being changed 10,000 miles away. Um, Moshe Bang is now the director of, of Beautiful Dream Society. She was once a victim of human trafficking. How, what a cool full circle story going from being a, a victim of human trafficking to being the director of an organization that's rescuing women out of, out of human trafficking. So it's just such a cool story. And we're, we're blessed by you guys. Pastor Jennifer, thank you for your vision and your dream there. We're, we're blessed to be a part of that. Uh, we're blessed to sow seeds in that. Okay. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to bring a message today that I'm, I'm really excited to bring. We've been in this season called Expecting, okay? And I'm going to bring a, a, a word that fits in line with this season we're in of expecting, but from a different viewpoint, from a different perspective. And this, uh, this has blessed me. So if you get nothing out of this, I did, so forget you. I'm kidding, I don't mean that. But this has been something that God has truly, over the past several weeks, 
convicted me on and moved me in some pretty powerful ways. Um, and I was even this morning kind of reviewing these notes and thinking to myself, there may be another message in this. I, I really think the topic that I'm about to bring you is one of the most important, I know that's strong language, but it's one of the most important things as believers that we need to come to grips with. The topic I wanna to talk to you about is a very, is one of the most dangerous topics, all right, for believers. And I think it's one of the a great weapon of the enemy. Uh, it's not lust, uh, even though that is, that is a, a really weaponized thing by the enemy. It's not greed. Um, it's not demons, although all of those things are very dangerous and all those things are very real. What I wanna to talk to you about today is, is something that's so subtle that we all fall victim to it day in, day out, repeatedly every day. I wanna to talk to you about false expectations. False expectations. Because there is a piece of us that we are to be expecting. There's something in us that God plants a seed in our heart and that we go through a season like we've been talking about where there's a gestation period and God is doing something in us and there will come a day that we give birth to it. So therefore we are expecting. But simultaneously there's some things in our life that we can have the wrong expectations. We can have false expectations. And the, the, the damage that these cause are vital, like are crucial, are, are debilitating to, to, to us as human beings. Uh, I remember the very first time that I was ever kind of exposed to the idea of false expectations. It was all the way back in the year 2000, late 2000, early 2001. Michelle and I were, were set to get married in June of 2001. And we went to premarital counseling. And yeah, and, um, and I was like, yeah, let's just get this over with. We're perfect, so we have nothing to worry about, right? One of the things that our counselor took us through was she made us list uh, all of the things that we expected from our spouse. And boy, did that get heated. <laughs> because what happens is you grow up as a child, you have all of these things that occur to you. And so, 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 so I grew up in an amazing home. My, my mom and my dad, they're here today. My mom was, was kind of a mother that was very, I would use the word motherly. She was, you know, she was the, the, the hostess of the greatest moms on planet earth. So she was strict, yes, but she was also very loving, very caring. And so when I get home from school, she was like, honey, would you like a grilled cheese sandwich? Would you like a drink? Would you like this? Would you like that? Would you like that? And I'm just like, yep, 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 yep. And so I, I, I had a mom who was just very loving, right? Very, she has a servant's heart. She's very hospitable. So when we gather for Thanksgiving, she's not sitting down ever. Even though we're like, mom, sit your butt down. She's like, I can't, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. So without knowing it, I had set an expectation for my wife. And you know what premarital counseling did for me? It saved my marriage before my marriage started. Because I learned real quick that Michelle's like, mm-mm. You need a soda? Okay, you got two feet. Get up and walk in there and get your own soda out of your own fridge, right? Can I get an amen, somebody? So, so I wanna to talk to you about this. And so let's go to this, this passage. This passage I wanna to read to you is, is a story that many of you will be familiar with, but I think it gives a perfect example. It's the story of Naaman. It's the story of a man who because of false expectations almost missed his miracle. 
So I wanna show you the importance of false expectations today. So let's go to uh, 2 Kings chapter five. I'm gonna read verses one through 14. It says, now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, uh, now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking with him 10 talents, which is about 750 pounds of silver, 6,000 shekels, which is about 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothes, which they were Gucci, I'm sure of it. There was something, something really expensive. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robe, his robes and said, am I God? Can I, can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. And when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him and said, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought, say that with me, said, I thought, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, watch this, and wave his hand over the spot. Abracadabra. And cure me of my leprosy. There it is, there's the false expectation. He expected one thing. In verse 12, he says, are not Abana and, and Far, Farpa the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage and Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. What is a false expectation? It's something that we all succumb to on a daily basis. Some of you guys have came with expectations of a sermon. I hope I'm meeting your expectations. We all come with, with expectations. I wrote down this definition, this is just my definition, that a false expectation is a predetermined conclusion that does not come to pass. You can put it another way, what you have actually done is you have prepackaged your disappointment. It's a prepackaged. You packaged it in advance, not knowing that you were gonna be disappointed on the backside of it. And you uh, this comes in many forms. You expected a raise and you didn't get one. Uh, you expected a reward and you didn't get one. 
You expected your spouse to meet all of your needs and they didn't. Um, You expected God to heal you and he didn't. All of these things that happen to us on a continual basis. um, In Proverbs, uh, Solomon says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think he was right. When, When we hope for something and our hope gets deferred or changed, man, that makes us feel sick. And so there's gotta be something here for us to learn. There's gotta be something that if we can discipline ourselves to understand what power our expectations have over ourselves and other people, it's a life-changing thing because I believe that false false expectations, uh, what they do is they plant a seed. They're very dangerous seeds and they grow into bigger things and they grow into bigger complications. So a false expectation when it comes to fruition, it, it, it's this seed and the seed always manifests itself. We'll talk about this in a minute. The seed always manifests as an emotion. It's anger, it's bitterness, it's rage. We saw that happen in Naaman. It said he was angry and he, he raged. It can be impatience. Um, it can be you get your feelings hurt. When you have an expectation that somebody's gonna do something and they don't do it, you feel rejected. It's a false, expect, it's a false expectation that, that, that brings this seed of insecurity. And, and the reason I call it a seed is because that's not the end. You, you would say, well, that's the fruit. No, it's not the fruit. The fruit are things like divorce. <laughs> the fruit are things like the business deal that went south. The fruit is your friend that you were friends with for 20 years you no longer talk to. That's the fruit. So false expectations plant these seeds that produce devastating fruit in our lives. And I wanna talk about this, I wanna unpack this. And so what I wanna do is I wanna take this passage that we read and I just kinda wanna unpack it a little bit. So today, I wanna explore, explore false, uh, false expectations with this question as the title of, my, title of my message. What'd you expect? What'd you expect? That's, that's really the root of this. In any area of our life, what did we expect? And were our expectations realistic? All right? Um, so expecting is, is a dangerous business. And, and as I've studied this for several weeks, I have realized that I am really bad at this. I have so many expectations. Like, and, and I think it's because, you know, as a leader, many of you are, are, are great leaders. Many, all of us are leaders of something in some, some regard. And when you're a leader, what that means is you are in control. <laughs> And when you're in control of whether you're in control of a lot of things or a small amount of things, you set expectations. And, and you kind of have the end in mind. That's what leaders do. They think with the end in mind. Uh, but many times we think something that doesn't take place. I think traffic's not gonna be that bad. But it was. And I think this idiot in the passing lane needs to get out of my way. I have this expectation that everybody knows that the passing lane is for passing only. Can I get an amen? But that's a false expectation. Some people are ignorant. I, I have, Michelle and I talked about this just this morning. I'm like, for some reason, I expect my 15-year-old to behave like a 25-year-old. That's a false expectation. So I do this all the time. And so what I'm realizing is that many of the times that I am disappointed, frustrated, angry, 
It's because of myself. It's not because someone did something wrong. It's because I set the wrong expectation. This is, this is if we're supposed to bear fruit as believers, right? We, we can't just say, well, that's just the way I'm made. Well, that's just the way I am. No, I had some sort of an expectation that was the wrong expectation. And I need to shift the way that I think, shift the way that I expect and what I expect from other people. I always expect the waitress at the restaurant to make me the focal point of the night and nobody else matters, right? It's so applicable to so many areas of your life. And I just wanna unpack this and I wanna get to the meat of this. I'm gonna try to get through this message and if I can't, I'll just finish it another time because there's so much here uh, and I'll try to get through it. So how do we deal with false expectations, okay? Uh, I wanna go back through the text and let the, let the sermon, let the text preach to us tonight. So I'll get this started for you. Just, just consider I'm priming your pump here and then you need to go to this text and do some studying of your own, okay? It's okay, you can, you can, you can read the Bible too, you know. Um, so second, let's go back. I'm gonna just unpack a couple things, all right? Second Kings 5.1, it says, now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Abram. He was a great man. It's giving us this, this very explicit description of the context of the story right from the guard, right from the start. He was a commander of the army. He was a great man in the sight of his master and he was highly regarded because through him, the Lord had, had given victory of Aram. He, he won everything this dude touched turned to gold. And it says he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. And I don't care how cool you think you are, you got a butt too. <laughs> and you were dating that guy and you just thought he was the greatest man ever. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's the man of my dreams. And then you marry him like, he's got a butt. He's got a butt too. Everybody's got a butt. I, you know, take that wherever you want to take it. Verse five, okay, watch verse five. So he goes to the king and the king says, by all means, go. The king of Aram replied, and watch this. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents, 6,000 shekels, so 10 talents of silver, 750 pounds, 6,000 shekels of gold, 150 pounds worth of gold. Do the math of gold and 10 sets of clothing. I don't know what, I mean, I don't know what the 10 sets of clothing is about. I'd, I'd rather have the 150 pounds of gold than 10 sets of clothing. It says, the letter that he took to the, to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. So do you see the expectation building? Like this guy, this guy has everything going for him. He has talent, he has reputation, he's got wealth, and he's got the king's backing, okay? Point number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Previous experiences shape present expectations. So if you wanna know where your false expectations come from, they come from your past experiences. This Naaman's expectations was built on who he was, the stature of who he was, the reputation of what he had, the wealth, the king's backing, and his expectations were built from all of these things coming forward. He had these expectations because of what he had. So we are told, what we're being told about is Naaman's life experiences. This is what Naaman's bringing to the table. And therefore, you can expect a miracle. You can expect a healing. So Naaman was like, because of who I am and because of what I have, this is what I expect. And just like me with Michelle, because of my life experiences as seeing my idea of what a wife was, 
I watched my mother my whole life for 18 years. I watched how she was a mother. I watched how she was a wife. And I, because of my life experiences, copy, paste. And I realized real quick, thankfully, before I was married, this is why premarital counseling is really important. Thankfully, I saved my marriage before it ever started. Because my life experiences created a false expectation on Michelle that was not fair to her, right? So in, in his world, in Naaman's world, in Syria, in, in Naaman's world, he was the boss. Everybody knew it, but when he came to Israel, he realized that the expectations that he received in Syria was not applicable in, in Israel. It was different. And we all do this every day, thousands of times a day, without realizing that we're doing it. So your life experiences, without you knowing it, has formed a subconscious uh, framework in your mind. It is, it is created a, in your subconscious. You don't even know that it's there, but you have created a set of values, a set of beliefs, and things that you think are vital to a successful marriage or a successful business or a successful uh, trip to the grocery store or a successful, you, you've got your ducks in a row and you know how it's all supposed to be. So what you do is you, you, you unknowingly, you create phrases in your mind like this. People should always blank. When it comes to traffic, you should never blank. When it comes to being my spouse, you should always blank. And we, we, without knowing it, we, in our subconscious, we create these statements of, of statements of faith, so to speak, you know, unnegotiable things. And based on these things, based on our life experiences, we create these things and what they are, they're false expectations. And when somebody doesn't meet your standards, you write them off or you get mad at them or you can't stand them or they're a bad person or they're a bad leader or they're a bad pastor or they're a bad fill in the blank, all based on our life experiences. And I know this is a convicting message, but I wouldn't deliver it to you if God didn't convict me of it first, all right? So, so Proverbs 3, 5, the, what the Bible, I would say the Bible, what, what the Bible would refer to this as um, understanding, okay? You've come to an understanding about certain things. Uh, that's why in Proverbs 3, 5, 3, uh, 3, 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. Because if you lean on your own understanding, you're gonna create false expectations. You're gonna have false expectations of God. You're gonna have false expectations of people. You're gonna have false expectations of church. You're gonna have false expectations of everything because you're leaning on your own understanding. And this is the breeding ground of false expectations. This is where it all starts. This is where it all begins. And this is why the Bible is so important, okay? This is so important. I hope you're catching this. This is why scripture is so important because it is the only thing that brings us together based on a singular truth. It's the only true thing to ever set expectations on because otherwise we're all setting our own expectations based on our own life. And this is the world in which we live in and this is why the world is so jacked up right now. Because everybody is drawing conclusions based on their own understanding, their own life experiences. And we have no central place to come together and say, yes, 
That's truth. We come together at truth. Scripture is the only truth to ever base an expectation on. Otherwise, we're just disagreeing. We're just fighting. We're all bringing our life experiences. We're all bringing our false expectations. Well, I think this. Well, I think this. Well, I think this. Well, I think this. And so we're just, we're just a world at war because we're all coming with our own understanding. Romans 12, verse two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this word conform, all right? This word conform in the Greek is the, I'm gonna try this, this will be fun. It's the Greek word suske matizo. Suske matizo. It's the word where we get, it's, it's the Greek word where we get the word systematize. That it's systematic. It, it, it becomes a system. And it's saying don't let your mind become a system according to this world. Don't let the world change your mind. Don't let all of the things of this world impact you. Don't allow the world to lure you into their life experiences and their false expectations of who you're supposed to be in Christ, all right? So it says, don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is what God's been doing in me for the past several weeks. Hey, John, that's a false expectation. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Go back to what scripture says, okay? So that you may prove that what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, verse three, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, watch, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. This is what happened to Naaman. Did you know that your expectations could actually change? I guarantee you back when Naaman was a boy, when he was a young soldier, he really didn't have those sort of false expectations. He, he was humble. But as he became to become more successful, he, he started having false expectations. And this is what it's saying. Don't, don't think of yourself too highly. He says, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each of his uh, measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in one Christ and individually members uh, one to another. So, that's a lot, isn't it? My mind does not have false expectations of my legs. I know when I look down from this stage, that's probably a four or five foot drop. My mind's like, yeah, let's not do that. Why? Because my mind is thinking about my legs. So it doesn't have, my mind does not have a false expectation. It has a realistic expectation. Why? Because I'm one. My mind is thinking about my legs, right? It's the same thing in the body of Christ. I don't wanna have false expectations on Michelle because we're one. I don't wanna do something that's gonna damage her. I don't wanna have false expectations on the church because we are one. I don't wanna do something that causes a false expectation on you because we're one. I'm mindful of that. Okay, I gotta go faster. All right, let's go to verse seven of this text. Verse seven says, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. So try to put yourself in this king's shoes. He gets this letter and he's like, and from another king saying, hey, I'm sending a name to you, heal him, fix it. And he's like, what? 
How can you expect me to do that? It's impossible. So what we need to know about false expectations is your false expectations create quarrels. <laughs> he's like, see, the king's like, you see what he's trying to do? He's trying to pick a quarrel with me. Why? Because he's bringing an expectation on me that I have no way of fixing that. I can't meet that expectation. Why? Because it's a false expectation. And when we have false expectations on our spouses, on our employees, on the waiter at the restaurant, on the cashier at the grocery store, what we're doing is we're picking a quarrel and we don't even realize it. We're putting an expectation on them. Now this, this Hebrew word from 2 Kings, the Hebrew word of quarrel, picking a quarrel, is the Hebrew word ana. Ana. And it, 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 it's, it's literally pronounced like, oh no. Like, oh boy, here we go. Oh no, here we go again. And the, the root of this word, I want you to catch this, the root meaning of this Hebrew word means to mourn or to lament. Like it's saddening. And when we put false expectations on other people, it's, oh no, I can't meet his need. So, so this king is, is, has two choices. And when you put false expectations on other people, you're giving these people two choices, all right? Choice number one, the king can reject the expectation. He can just say, nope, not doing it. And that will immediately cause a fight, right? That king is gonna immediately be like, okay, then we're going to war. Uh, the, the other thing the king can do is the, the king could perform to meet the expectation. When you put an expectation on someone, you're giving them two choices. They can either reject your expectation or they can perform to meet your expectation. Now, apply this to your own life, okay? Now, let me just say it. I know there may be some littles in the room and I'll be careful. This is why pornography is so dangerous. Because when you digest pornography, what you are doing is you're creating a value system of an expectation that you have for your spouse. And when you bring that expectation to your spouse, because of some life experience that's formed what that should look like in your mind, you bring that expectation to your spouse, they have two choices. They can reject you, which we know the damage that that causes, right? Or they can perform to meet your expectation, which causes bitterness, okay? So we have to be well aware that when we bring false expectations to people, we are only giving them two choices. And both of those choices have very damaging impact, all right? It's quiet in here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe that's because we're all in surgery right now. <laughs> this is why we do job descriptions at your employer. This is why they give you a job description because they're like, okay, here's the expectation. We're not gonna give you anything that's not on this list. We don't want there to be any surprises. We don't want any false expectations. And this would be really healthy for your marriage. It would be really healthy for that friendship if you would just sit down and say, hey, could you share with me your expectations? As your husband, what do you expect from me? Okay, as, as, as my wife, this is what I expect. Now tell me if I'm crazy. Let's come to some agreement on what this job description is gonna be in our relationship, okay? So, so we, we need to understand the impact of our expectations on other people. Uh, okay, let's keep going to verse nine. Okay, verse nine says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots, which, which that's a high flex anyways, right? Naaman went with his horses and chariots. It's like, that, he's flexing, you know? He's like, check this out. And stopped at the door of Elisha's house 
And Elisha's like, well, I'll flex, I'll do a little flex of my own. Elisha was like, I'm not even going to come talk to you. I'm going to send my messenger. And you know this triggered Naaman. He's like, I'm a big deal. And I showed up with my horses and chariots and you sent a messenger? And the messenger said, go wash yourself. I'm not even going to hand bathe you. I'm not even going to show you where the river is. I'm not going to say this is the best place to stand on the river. You go do it yourself. And man, Naaman's getting fired up. And, and your flesh, it will be restored and you will be cleansed. Watch verse 11. Here's the reaction. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought, say it one more time. Say, I thought, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. That was his predetermined solution. On, on the way from Syria to Israel, he was imagining in his mind how this was gonna go down, right? It was a predetermined solution. And then he even has the, the better solution. He tells Elisha's servant, hey, um, Abana and Far, Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, they're way cleaner, they're way better. Couldn't we just kind of do it there? Like not only does he reject the idea that he brings, but he, he proposes a better idea. He's got all this figured out. And, and, then, and then it finally says, so he turned and went off in a rage. In a rage. Point number three, if you're taking notes. False expectations plant dangerous seeds. Uh, we're, we're shown two seeds that, that Naaman planted, okay? Uh, one of them was anger and one of them was Rage. Those were the seeds that planted. Again, we talked about it. I don't think that's the fruit. I think the fruit would have been he missed his miracle. And these two seeds that he planted, he came this close to missing his miracle. Okay, these, these words in the Hebrew, the word anger, in the King James it says wrath. He was just wroth with anger. Just, just furious. It's, it's the, uh, the Hebrew word katsep, or katsef, and it means to provoke to wrath, to burst out. And that's the emotion that was coming up in him. And then it says he went off in a rage. This word rage in the Hebrew is a different word. It's the Hebrew word hema. And it means to burn with rage, to be heated, to be indignant. And then it gives this figurative, the figurative word that it uses is poison or venom. That figuratively he became a venom. He became poisonous. And this is what happens when our expectations aren't met. We become poisonous. We become furious and we plant these seeds that unfortunately will bear fruit. And for Naaman, it came bursting to the surface because of pride. Don't you know who I am? Right? There was this expectation that came bursting out. Why? Because Naaman felt disrespected. And if you ever feel disrespected, woo-hoo-hoo, that will burst some emotion to the scene, won't it? So he felt disrespected, disrespected. Um, and you may be thinking, no, not me, John. I, you know, that's not me. I'm a very humble person. Yeah, until that waitress didn't bring you the right asparagus. <laughs> disrespected you, you know. <laughs> I don't know where asparagus came from. <laughs> but I... I firmly believe this, and I don't know if I'm gonna get through all these notes. We'll do it another time, all right? I firmly believe this. 
at the genesis, at the genesis of every single disagreement. If I could, if whatever disagreement you're in with your spouse or with a, an employee or anybody, 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 if I could go all the way back to the very, very beginning of when that started, I promise you there was a false expectation. Every time, every time. If you could, if you could trace it all the way back to the, I know it blew up and it became a lot more than just what it, how it started, right? Like it started because you disagreed on the color of the couch and then before you know it, we're throwing around the D word. But if you could take it all the way back to the genesis of when it all began, most of the time, if not all the time, there was some sort of a false expectation at the beginning of every argument, at the beginning of every fight, at the beginning of every emotional outburst that you could ever have, you will find a false expectation. So what do I need to do about that? How do I reframe my mind? How do I see it for what it is and, and recognize what, what may or may not be happening? And this is where I wanna land the plane here. Let's go to verse 13. Verse 13 says, Naaman's servant went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when he tells you wash and be cleansed? He's like, he's like, he's like if he would have told you to jump on your horse and do something amazing and, and show us how good you are with your sword and go up and conquer that hill because that's what you're good at and go slay those five people and come back and you'll be healed. He'll be like, oh, watch this. And the guy's like, all he told you to do is take a bath. Like you can't dip, dip, three. Oh wait, start over, I lost count. One, two, <laughs> like it's so simple, right? Okay, and verse 14 says, so he went down. So something happened in Naaman where in a moment he went from a prideful, arrogant jerk to this, you're right, it is silly. What? Why, why am I being so stubborn? Why don't I, well, it's worth a try. I don't like having leprosy, <laughs> you know? Turns out I'd like to live, so yeah. Why don't I just go down and dip seven times? Why wouldn't I try that? So he does and he responds and he goes, and, and this is a picture of God. Even in the midst of our pride and our stubbornness and how stupid we are sometimes, if we will just simply say, come to our senses and say, yeah. So what happened with the prodigal son. It says the prodigal son came to his senses and said, I'm out here with the pigs. Why don't I just go home to dad? And the Bible says that the, 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 that the father was watching for him and left where he was and ran to him. And this is the heart of our father. Like even when we have false expectations, even when we're mean, even when we're prideful, even when we're idiots, and what it takes is this person who had the guts to confront Naaman. So point number four, if you're taking notes, write this down. Thank God for truth tellers. <laughs> Thank God that Naaman's servant had the nerve. Naaman, Naaman's servant had sat here and watched this dude be prideful, be a jerk, treat people like trash, come arrogantly with gold and silver and all of these things. And he had just been sitting back going, man, can't stand serving this guy. What a jerk. And something bubbled up inside of, 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 of this servant. We don't even know his name. He's nameless, nameless, no glory, no wealth, no stature. And if it had not been for him, Naaman would have died. 
So two points under this fourth point is I want to surround myself with truth tellers. I, I don't ever want to become Naaman where, where we just get so big on ourselves that we fail to, to realize how small we really are. Because the truth be told, none of us are that big of a deal. We all got a butt. <laughs> so I want to I wanna surround myself with people that feel the freedom to talk some sense into me. I love what Andy, Andy Stanley said. Andy Stanley said, said this in a leadership book. He said, leaders who refuse to listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing significant to say. So no matter, no matter where we're at, we always need to surround ourselves with people. And if nobody's told you off lately, you should, you should ask yourself why. If no one's challenged you lately, you should step back and say, I wonder why no one feels like they can challenge me. Like at, at the end of this service, I will go back to the green room with, with Pastor Wade. Pastor Wade will call from Edmond. I will talk to Pastor Cameron at Edmond today. I'll pass, talk to Pastor Oscar and I will sit down and I'll say, tell me what in my sermon sucked. Tell me how I can make it better. Right? We should always be open to feedback. Uh, and secondly, I want to be a truth teller to those around me. I want to be somebody who's, who's open to feedback. And I also want to be somebody who has the nerve. Like I'm so impressed with this servant. He had no place. He, he could have lost his life for speaking up like that. I mean, based on what I know about Naaman, I'm surprised Naaman didn't turn around and slit his throat. Something in him was like, I can't sit by and, and be silent anymore. I have to speak up. I got to say something here. And if you notice, if you go back and I don't have time to unpack it. I got some stuff on my notes, but we don't have time to unpack it. If you go back and see how he said it, it's everything. Now, if he would have said, Naaman, you're an idiot, man. Like you're so stupid. Why, why don't you just, why are you such an idiot? Why are you so stubborn? He probably would have got a slit throat, but he's gentle. He, he came with grace and truth. I've met people that think they got everything to say, but they say it with such hatred that it doesn't do any good. So, so may we be a people who has all the nerve, but all the grace, right? Why is the serpents harmless as doves? And this is what we, we have to be. And by the way, he did it because he knew if he wouldn't have done it, Naaman would have died. And you are surrounded by people every day who if you don't talk to them about God, they will die and go to hell. May we be a people who have the nerve to speak up with grace and truth to the people that are around us that we know that if we don't speak up, this person is not going to experience Jesus. We need to have this boldness in us. Expectation is a tricky business. It's a tricky business. And I'm gonna push pause there and I'll finish this some other time. All right, here's what I wanna do. We stand to your feet with me, Edmund Campus, OKC. I think what we've done here is we have, I've given you kind of some warning signs about looking forward. I'm sorry. Yeah, looking forward. Like, okay, from this point on, John, I hear what you're saying and I'm gonna guard that. Like, I'm gonna watch myself today 
And when that person cuts you off in traffic on the way home, right before you show them the finger, you're gonna be like, wait a minute. I mean, why did I expect, was that a false expectation? Like, did I, is that on me? Like sometimes the reason we're not peaceful and the reason we have anxiety and the reason we're mad and the reason we are mad at the world is because of ourselves, not the world. We've set these expectations that no one can meet. So we're, we're thinking forward. Now I wanna take just a second, okay? And I don't wanna belabor this and Pastor Kevin's gonna come out and Pastor Marcy at the Edmund campus. I wanna have a moment of reflection, all right? Because here's what I, ch- I wanna challenge you with and I sense this very strongly. The Holy Spirit had prompted me to this very strongly this morning that to take a moment for all of us, myself included, to, to maybe you're currently in a conflict of some kind, okay? Like, you're like, dang, man. My wife and I cussed each other out on the way to church this morning. This is weird timing, you know? So maybe you're in the middle of some sort of conflict or I want you to go back. So it may have been an hour ago. It may have been 20 years ago. And you have bitterness. Like you have a relationship that used to be good. Now it's not. Um, whatever, whatever it is, I want, you to, I, want to take, I want us to take a moment and we're gonna sing the song, Make Room. And I just wanna say, we're gonna make room for, for us to, check ourselves and say, did I, is it possible? Do we have the, do we have the nerve? Do we have the courage better yet to say, is that partially because I had a false expectation? Maybe I put an expectation on somebody that, that wasn't fair for me to put on them. And I only gave them two choices to either reject me or to perform. And then when they chose not to do either one of those, I got mad. So let's just, let's just, Let's take a minute here. So Father, we just come before you and we've heard the truth that's in your scripture. And God, we don't wanna just hear a sermon and leave. We wanna give a moment where your Holy Spirit can speak to us. Um, So Father, bring things back to our remembrance. It's one one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to bring things back to our remembrance. So Father, send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and speak to your children this morning for just these few moments. And even over the course of the coming days and months and weeks, Prompt us, show us, God, where we may have put in, where we may have put in a false expectation on someone, and help us to bring healing to that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.